Career Conversations is brought to you by the University of Washington Alumni Association. 60,000 Huskies strong, our members share a passion for the purple and gold. Share your pride, get involved, and help support our students. Join the UWAA. Go to uwalum.com today. Hi, thank you for tuning in to Career Conversations, an audio series created for the University of Washington alumni community, where we focus on deeper topics to help you create and sustain a fulfilling career. I'm your host, Carla Sixia. I'm a proud University of Washington alum who graduated in 2015 from the Department of Communication, Go Huskies. I'm an active member of the Alumni Association Gold Council, and I'm so excited to be one of your hosts for this series. I'm very thrilled to be joined today by Salome Valencia Bonet for a discussion about social entrepreneurship and staying connected to your cultural heritage when pursuing and starting a new business. A little bit about Salome. She was born and raised in Yakima, and Salome is a licensed social worker associate clinician who received her master's degree from the UW back in 2019. She is dedicated to clinical social work. She's a member of many clinical social work and Latino societies and provides psychotherapy through an anti-oppression lens and is a strong activist within her community. She is the owner of the Rivers Wellness and Advocacy Foundation, host of the Clinically Growing Together podcast, and owner of the Financial Peace and Prosperity Program. Salome, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. I feel super honored that you asked me to be on the show, so thank you. Yeah, no, of course. And before we jump into our more serious conversation for the day, I would like to start with something closer to the heart. So Salome, I just read your bio for our listeners, but I would like to pull the curtain back and get to know the you behind the professional persona. So in your own words, tell us about a time when you became acutely aware of your culture heritage within the professional landscape and its subsequent impact on your years later. Yeah. Um, so I first would like to apologize. I have two cats here that, that joined me. And if I, if I don't let them in this space with me, then you will hear them meow at the door. Oh, it's so. all good. We love cats. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. i able to get my daughter to stay downstairs, but the cats, you, you have no control over. Um, right. So yeah, for me, um, what helped me become most aware of my cultural heritage within the professional landscape, I would say it was school. Um, a lot of what I was very fortunate in and um, being supported with throughout my, my career um, was really getting a better understanding of what is it like to be a quote unquote professional. Um, because I come from a working class family. I No one in my family were white collar workers. And so for me, what is typical and normal is very direct and, um, you know, like you do this, you do that. It's a very different style. Uh, And so for me, really becoming, entering into the academic sphere, learning how do um, others from higher economic classes interact, what topics they have how do they they network um how do they support each other outside of the job through networking um all of that helped me become very very much aware of just how uh, little social capital i had um and how much it was how much 
it, w- it would be very important for me to be able to um, gain these skills, this knowledge, so that I would be able to, to pass it on to others. Um, one particular instance that like just still stands out to me to this day uh, was I was working with alongside uh, a peer on a on a project for work, and they <laughs> they said that oh you're you're Mexican American. I, I really thought that. Um, you didn't have the skills to do any of this because, you know, you, you typically work in the field. And so I, I wasn't aware that um, you would you would understand how to do any of this. And I, and I was like, yeah, well, I, I went to school law, right? Right. right just like you. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I was I was able to, to gain these skills. And when I spoke with my supervisor about it, um, my supervisor didn't understand um, why I would be concerned about that kind of interaction. Um, and my, my supervisor um, highlighted that, uh, yes, I was I had the, the resume and the skills to do the job. Uh, however, I represented more than just me. I represented uh, my um, Latino, uh, Latine, uh, Latinx uh, population. And so it's what I represented rather than who I was that mattered. And so within this professional landscape, um, more and more I became aware that the me that is intersectional identities is not welcomed in these spaces, that there is only one particular type of person and type of um Oh, well, I'm just going to stick with person that the professional landscape uh, wanted to have. And it's okay to say that you have these um, cultural heritage and characteristics. However, it's not okay to express them within the professional landscape. And if they are expressed, um, then it's to be done in such a way that is um, still putting the... uh, power, control, what have you, onto the the higher professional image, culture. Um, and so for me, within those two instances, it, it just really highlighted to me that um, I, I didn't fit, I wouldn't fit, and that the me that I, I appreciate, that I respect, that I value – would have to find a way to work within these systems, would have to find a way to um, navigate and and work around a lot of the procedures and policies that were, were already in place and that I would, I myself would receive not a whole lot of support. And while, yes, I had allies, even the allies themselves could only do so much. And how can I, within this landscape, um, be understanding and patient, but also have others outside of the professional field to be able to talk to and find others that were sharing similar experiences within that professional field to uh, really share those experiences with so that we would be able to, to keep going? Of course. Yeah, no, that was that's very interesting, especially, you know, to me, I very much relate to some of the instances that you mentioned, Salome, because a lot of times I felt like the opportunities that I had, I would be the only one sitting in the table that looked like me, you know, and it's, 
And it is interesting. We have, a, everybody has a lot to be proud of when it comes to their cultural heritage. And, and like you mentioned, being that representation is incredibly important. So yeah, no, thank you so much for sharing that. So I already mentioned that we are going to be talking about social, entre- um, yes, about social entrepreneurship and to get us all on sort of a level ground, I wanted to start with how you define social entrepreneurship. Uh, the, the typical definition that most people are familiar with is a person who explores business opportunities that have a positive impact on their community, typically through a for-profit business model. And so many people think of Tom's, they think of figs, but to me, social entrepreneurship goes beyond that. It gives us an opportunity to be able to partner us alongside our communities and to really invest in solutions that benefit everyone and to involve everyone in the process. It's not just, I'm going to make all this money because I'm going to be doing good in the community. It's past that. I'm going to work alongside my community because all of us are in this together and all of us have the skills and talents and assets to be able to move forward together. And so for me, it's, it's really finding a way of of really strengthening our ties to our community, recognizing how the individual is a part of the collective and how both are necessary for us to be able to move our society forward. Thank you. So that's, I, I really love that, especially, you know, with framing it as the individual is a part of the collective. And I think it's really important to emphasize that because, uh, you know, I'm from Peru, South America, and I feel like, you know, as a Latina or South America, it is very collective. And, you know, coming here to the States, I feel like there is very much this individualistic uh, sort of push. So, yeah, I think it's really, really great that, you know, we make sure that that's, um, you know, always a focus is to work within the community. And uh, I've heard you call social entrepreneurship the new American dream. So I wanted to kind of dig a little bit deeper in uh, what did you mean by this? Thank you for asking. So, yes, I I don't know how many people share that perspective with me, but typically the American dream was established to, to really build this type of uh, I don't know what to call it, um, belief structure that when you come to the United States, it's a land of opportunities. Anyone from any background from, from anywhere can, can come to the United States. They're able to buy a home, secure a stable, financially lucrative job. Uh, they're able to, to care for their family. If they choose to have a family, they're able to become a billionaire. If that's, you know, if they work hard enough, if they um, use the resources that they have intellectually, if they are smart about the connections that they make, that, that anyone can make it. And to me, um, based on, on my own background, I, I think that there is um, more to being able to, to work towards and, and have that American dream, that it's not something that all of us are provided with through opportunities. And that some of us, um, because of that lack of access, because of the, the position that we're born 
into, it's extremely difficult, if nearly impossible, to be able to to work towards that American dream, that that old picturesque dream. And also, when we think about it, that's not everyone's dream. And so to me, social entrepreneurship gives us the opportunity to really look outside of that, to, to think about how do I define the American dream? What do I want? What do I define as success? And, and how do I work myself towards it? Uh, success can be that it's going to be um, greater time and flexibility to be able to use additional funds to, to pay for uh, support so that you're able to free up your time to spend with your family. Um, it, it's really thinking about how you're going to um, develop a, a future that is in alignment with your values and alignment with your hopes and dreams. Um, that it's not that standard picturesque American dream that, that many of us are, are taught at such a young age or that our, um, the United States uh, shares with the, the rest of the global community. And to me, one way that we can do that through social entrepreneurship is being able to explore through our own definition of what our American dream is, as bringing that to, to life, um, bringing that into reality through what we would like to see, uh, what we would like to create, and what kinds of communities we would like to involve in our social entrepreneurship um, business. And so one example can be that our American dream is um, being able to have a culture that celebrates our, our cultural heritage, um, that we want to create a business where, um, I'm going to use myself as an example, where it's okay to have conversations about the beliefs and values and experiences that we've had um, within the workforce, uh, looking at the ways in which um, we want to partner with other organizations that are doing good work. They may not be for profit. They may not be a nonprofit. They may be a small uh, community business that someone's doing or um, a kind and uh, caring project that someone's working on that's not connected to this bigger, larger organizational structure. But either way, it's still an opportunity for us to not only build a business that reflects what we would like to see in the world, but also partner with others in the community that reflect the values and beliefs that we would like to uphold within the community. Thank you, Salome. That was beautifully said. And, you know, I very much agree. Dreams are always evolving and they should always be a reflection of ourselves, but also our community. I mean, when I first came to the States, my, my dream of what that American dream looked like is very different to what it is today. So it's, uh, you know, I think it is very true and something to always keep in mind. And uh, I wanted to ask you, so in previous panel conversations for the healthcare community, you mentioned that moving from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset helped you reframe your experience. So as as a uh, BIPOC member, how did this change your path moving forward? Yeah. Um, so th to me, that is that is an, an ongoing um, movement. 
originally when I when I first was very fortunate being able to to go to university through the College Success Foundation and grow up scholarships, I was elated. I, I thought that, you know, I I finally reached my dream. I'm living my dream. And I didn't realize when I went to, to university just how um, different my experience for my peers was in growing up and, and how that difference um, put us on different paths that where they were going to be able to secure the, the, the dream job, the dream life. And I would have to find an alternative route because I didn't have the same kind of social connections that they had the same kind of um, skill in navigating the networking process, uh, the um, professional landscape, and so I started developing a scarcity mindset. I started thinking, oh my goodness, there aren't nearly enough opportunities out there. Um, how am I going to navigate this? W- what, am I, what am I going to do? My family's relying on me to be able to be this positive role model and, and being able to, to provide support. Uh, how do I, my, my, my small self, how do I move forward and, and access and share this, um, this abundance that I don't have access to myself, even though I'm within this, uh, this setting. And so through a lot of work, (laughs) a lot of counseling, I realized that it's not, there is more than enough out there for everyone. And that there are different types of communities that will support you. And so no matter what, there's always going to be resources. There's always going to be networking opportunities, others that believe what you believe, others that want to support the work that you're doing. And so there is no scarcity. It's just a matter of putting yourself out there and not giving up and trying and holding that hope alive within yourself. And to me, as a BIPOC member, that's especially helpful because for me, there are so many um, challenges that I face that I don't think others face. And it's compounded with, yes, being a BIPOC member, but also other, um, uh, I think of the Hayes addressing model, uh, other identities that I hold um, that that have a, an impact on, on, on me and my, my ability to support my family and to some extent myself as well. And the abundance mindset gives me a chance to yes, recognize that there's enough resources, enough connections out there for everyone, but also that the world can be and is a safe place for everyone. And that we're not pitted against each other. We're all working together. So how can we combine our efforts and our resources to move forward together? And for me, social entrepreneurship especially highlights that we can do that, that this is a part of the the structure itself. And if it's, and that it is something that we can really uh, cement within social entrepreneurship. Yeah, no, I love that, especially when you said, for me, what really captured me is, you know, the phrase more than enough. 
you know, cause I think a lot of times everybody deals with sort of this inner struggle of one, them being enough or just having enough, you know, it's, it's always kind of that question that, um, comes up and I don't, I don't know if it ever stops, but it is a really beautiful thing when, you know, you really just change that mindset to no longer feeling that you're not enough or that you don't have enough, but sort of believing that there is more than enough. And so, yeah, no, that's, that's really beautiful. Thank you for saying that. Cause you're right. It, it it's born from a place of fear, a place of survival. Yes. And when we shift to that abundance mindset, we, come from a place of, of love and compassion and care. Um, we, we speak to the historical resiliency that we've inherited from our ancestors that have gotten us to this point that, that we're here and that we're going to continue to support those that come after us. That it's not just, this is the one and done. And, and this is, this is it. That's not how it works. And that we are enough that we, are, are born from the, the dreams and the hopes of those that come before us. So I'm um, thank you for highlighting that. Yeah, no, of course. So for our listeners out there, know that you are more than enough. <laughs> so now for a workshop that you gave to Peaceful Soul Healing, you shared that as a Latina, you've learned that there are different kinds of medicine. So I wanted to ask you, how does this life lesson connect to social entrepreneurship? Yes. And so for me, I think of... I forget the the workshop that I had attended where someone had pointed this out that their failure actually taught them a lot more than their successes. And I was, I was thinking to myself that, yes, that's true. And that's a type of medicine. The, the ways in which we succeed and support our communities, um, sharing resources, sharing connections, um, supporting each other's holistic health, that's medicine. And the times in which we don't succeed, the times that we fail, the times in which when we fail, our community comes forward with open arms and holds us and helps us rest until we're ready to go again. That's a type of medicine. Or the times when we're alone and we don't know if we have the energy to get back up again, our hope is, is wavering. And we find deep within ourselves that inner wisdom that tends to be drowned out by the busyness of life and the um, capitalism, consumerism of life. When we listen to that inner wisdom in those hard times, that's also a kind of medicine. It's strengthening that inner voice that we all have that tell us that, again, that we're enough, that we have what it takes, that we can do it, um, that we have the, the grit, the resilience to be able to try alternative pathways just because the first, second, or third didn't work, that the, there are multitude of ways in which we can move forward. And sometimes the path that we're told is the only one towards success is a falsehood. So many people out there lead different lives. Everyone has a choice in which direction they want to move. And not one is better or more than another. They're just alternative pathways and <laughs> millions of options that, that we can take. And so 
within this, within the failure, we're really given a chance to be able to, to see, to see that, that life is, is more than the narrow view that we, we, we give ourselves. And so to me, um, social entrepreneurship connects to that because social entrepreneurship is all about growing. It's all about trying to find and use that creativity deep within you and to really find ways to, to look at problems differently through a new lens and one that others may not have considered. And also by doing so, finding others alongside us in our communities uh, to be able to, to move forward and support those ideas or to, to work together to modify that idea, to bring something that is so much more than what we could have imagined ourselves. Yeah, no, thank you. That's, that is very true. You know, I think we can also just see that throughout our, our history, throughout so many different examples of, you know, leaders and a lot of role models that we look up to is they've always had those challenges. They've had those moments of failures, but it's very true what you say when you resist from, you know, having that mindset that, oh, I failed and just kind of having that scare you or paralyze you and moving into that other direction of, of growth and just evolving yourself. I think that's, you know, the key to really just kind of taking that life lesson and, and moving forward. So yeah, I really, really appreciate that. And I also appreciate Salome because you brought up just, uh, you know, that element of rest. And I think that's something that we a lot of times forget when we're living these busy lives and we make mistakes and we do fail because, you know, we're human. And that's just a part of life is making sure that we take that moment of rest to, you know, kind of recoup our energy and and resting in the community, resting in the wisdom of, of our elders, of our, of our family, of our community. Because, you know, I'm pretty sure that they've gone through some similar things that we have. And so it's always important to, to know that. But uh, yeah, no, I am so grateful to you because to me, when we rest, it does not mean that we failed. Rest does not mean failure. It means that we're giving ourselves the chance to heal, to recoup so that we can be able to respond rather than react. And when we react, who are we giving our power to? Who are we giving the the control of the direction that we choose to go to? When we respond, we're giving ourselves the chance to hold on to our own power, to control the path that we choose for ourselves. We're giving ourselves the, the chance to be able to breathe deeply and come from our own wisdom that we've learned from others, from our experiences, but also that which we innately hold. And so to me, giving ourselves the chance to rest is an act of resistance towards these larger structures that may tell us, no, don't rest, go and work yourself and work, keep working. Even when you fail, just get back up and keep going, keep going. But even when we look at at nature, when we look at what we construct, things don't just keep going on forever the Energizer Bunny, (laughs) (laughs) even if you need to be recharged. And that's the same with all of us. And when people say, well, you know, that means it's that I failed or that I'm broken. And I'm like, no, no one's broken. It's really a chance for us to look deep in ourselves and to figure out 
What is it that we value? What is it that we truly hold dear? And how can we get back on that path again? How can we look at the ways in which the healing process allows us to become stronger, more resilient, um, rather than looking at something that, that can't be, that as if we are something that can't be um, useful or that we will never be able to, to do anything else ever again, because that, that's not true. We are all, humanity, I think, is one of the, the strongest, most resilient beings that I know of. And so I, I don't, I don't think that uh, rest is, is failure or that it means that we're broken. Thank you, Solomon. You're really speaking so much to me also. And, you know, I love that the respond versus react and that segues actually beautifully into our next question. So when you look back on the challenges that you faced, uh, you've talked a little bit about this already, but what are some key lessons that you took away that helped form you into a social entrepreneurial leader? Oh my goodness. I just had, um, a conversation with uh, a fellow leader before this conversation. Um, and yes, responding over reacting is like <laughs> the top. Um, but also like looking in, and I know I've, I've, I'm talking a lot about values um, and about the roller coaster of, of having a business um, because sometimes things are going great and then bam, you are hit with um, a crisis that you were not expecting that you did not know existed. <laughs> and then you're, you're trying to move forward with your team and with those that support you and, and finding a solution. Um, and so I guess the, the key lessons that I've, that I've taken away um, is that to know what I hold to be true, but also to recognize that it's only one perspective. Other people hold different truths. Other people um, have lived experiences that inform how they move forward. And no single one is, is the right, the right one that I've seen so far. Um, the other piece to that is recognizing that sometimes just being present has the power to shift the skills towards a healthier communities. That we don't always have to have answers. We don't always have to be able to, to come up with all of these um, additional resources. That sometimes the person really just wants to be seen and to be heard. And, and that has such a, a huge impact. Um, the other pieces that I've learned is empowerment. Why am I trying to fix something? Why am I trying to um, quickly resolve issues that I see happening? Is it because I don't feel comfortable with it? Or is it because this person has asked me to provide that support and I'm supporting them in the ways that they want and need rather than what I've decided 
that is best for them. The other piece to me, especially as a therapist, is really understanding what are some issues that I'm bringing into this situation that I'm responding to that has nothing to do with this other person? What am I trying to work through <laughs> in, in trying to, to, to provide whatever it is that this person's asking me to? Um, and then also recognizing what are they putting on me and why are they putting that on me? And how can we both work together in a way that is healthy and supportive and empowering and that inspires them in their communities that they have the skills and talents and wisdom to be able to, to move forward. Um, the other piece that I am constantly having to relearn is how to set my pride aside. Uh, the, the ways in which, um, I, I work hard to support the community because for me, that's a cultural value. I am a part of the community. The community is a part of me. And when I, when I do things, it's because it's with the community in mind. And for me, really, really also highlighting, um, how do I want to, live and embody the values and how do I correct myself when I don't and how do I own some of the mistakes that I make um, and how do I work with others that we're just so so different <laughs> um, and then how do I if we can't work together how do we own our differences and not interfere the good work that's still happening in the community. Um, I think, I think those would be right now, my biggest takeaways as a social entrepreneur, as a, as a social entrepreneur, um, as a mom, oh my gosh, I'm being humbled all the time. <laughs> I have so many lessons that, uh, my daughter teaches me day in and day out and she's only two. And so it's just going to keep, I'm going to keep learning uh, and growing, which for me, having that, that beginner's mindset is just so, so helpful and gives me greater bandwidth and energy flexibility to be able to, to move forward. Thank you, Solomon. Those are incredible, just, you know, incredible life lessons. I really appreciated you bringing up, you know, just, being present because I, I really do believe that when you are present, it allows you to be aware of so many other aspects that, you know, I think when we're just kind of narrowed into something else and, you know, whether it be work or whatever, whatever else is happening in our lives, I think it's very easy for us to kind of make those habits of forgetting every, everything else around us. So I think being present helps you to stay connected and it's hard, right? I mean, especially in this uh, day and age that we live when technology, you know, there's TikToks and uh, YouTube and so many, so many things that are like 15 seconds. And it's, you know, you're constantly getting bombarded with so many pieces of information, pieces of content, and it's hard to kind of stay present through it also. So I think for me, that's something that I'm uh, very much learning. Yeah. No, thank you for saying that because you're right. We, we're constantly at so many points throughout our day being infiltrated with 
social media, with popular media, with um, friends and family members, their perspectives. And, and it, it, we have very little time to just decompress and sit with ourselves and, and understand who we are. And sometimes because we don't have that and we weren't taught how to have that, we can, um, when we're faced with it, we don't know what to do. And to me, it's just so, so important to, to make that time and space for ourselves that we're not being selfish. We're not being irresponsible or lazy, um, that we're, we're actually being smart and healthy and supportive and we're creating a, a safer space and giving others permission to create a safer space by making that time for ourselves. Um, you had also mentioned uh, the 15 minute TikTok. And, and to me, that really highlighted how we get caught up in the busyness of life, that we absorb so much that sometimes we don't know what path is the path for us, which path is, is going to be most helpful and supportive. Um, and so being able to just to sit with ourselves gives us a chance to, to wade through all of that. And we get to decide what we choose to take with us and what we choose to leave behind, what we choose to give back to others. So thank you, Salome. We've had just tons of great wisdom from you. Now, I do have a question that is sort of close to my heart. And I think especially because of, you know, just culture heritage and for me, storytelling has been a big piece of sort of learning from my culture and also a, a great lens into the future. So I wanted to ask, how do you leverage storytelling in what you do? That's a brilliant question. To me, we are more than just facts and figures. We have a heart and we have the emotional capability of connecting with one another. Um, to me, the, the belief that we are these solely intellectual beings that operate just from our brain is, is not true. Um, our emotions guide us. Our emotions are a healthy part of us. And finding ways in which we can integrate the two and move forward, it, I think, is by far one of the, the healthiest ways that we can um heal and, and support ourselves and, and the community. And for me, storytelling is one way in which we do that. We support one another with understanding our lived experiences, giving them a perspective into what we've had happen in our lives and how they can partner alongside us in a way that is supportive rather than detract from our own power, detract from our own creativity um, it gives them a chance to move from this superiority hierarchy to one of more um, egalitarian um, equity at equity focus. And so one way in which I, I utilize storytelling is really just giving others a chance to, to create that dialogue, to understand um, that my perspective or those of others don't minimize theirs. It doesn't erase theirs. If anything, it paints a bigger picture. And it also gives us a chance to recognize that we're just this one small piece in the greater world, that there's so many other ways of, of being that um, coexist, even when we're not aware of it. And 
I really, really appreciate how with storytelling, um, we're given that window and we're given this opportunity if we choose to take it. Um, and sometimes, and one of the reasons why I say if we choose to take it is because sometimes we may be um, encouraged to, to see those perspectives as um, a part of this larger narrative that's out to get us, that's false and trying to sway us away from our, our, our set path of righteousness. And I, <laughs> I think that once we, we get into that mindset, we've already closed ourselves off. We've already um, given up the, the power and control that we think we have. Um, by choosing that righteous path. Um, And so really just pausing, listening. And listening doesn't mean that we're consenting. Um, It means that, in my mind, (laughs) it means um, that we're giving another person a space to to share their perspective, their lived experiences. Um, There's a, I don't know, I don't know what to call it, but I, I kind of see it as like um, a belief structure out there that, you know, our thoughts aren't always correct. Our um, actions may not always be uh, perceived as in the ways in which we would we want them to be. And so really recognizing within that, that we construct our realities and there are a multitude of ways in which others also construct their realities. And so how can we coexist in this space where both are true? And how can we find ways of, of bridging those, those differences so that we can, again, support one another in, in our communities rather than feeding into this um, negative narrative that doesn't support anyone, that just tears our communities down, tears um, apart the the resources and the ways in which that we can move forward. Um, I think for the most part, we all want healthy, supportive, strong communities. We just have different ways that we're doing it. And it doesn't minimize, (laughs) I mean, in my mind, everything helps us, helps us move forward together. Um, there are larger, uh, some people are out there who are listening and we're like, well, what about this and this and this? Um, and I think that there are larger social taboos and they're taboos for a reason. Um, the academic in me is again, like standing up and saying, well, those taboos were constructed so that we could be able to um, better support um, the evolution and, and livelihood of our species. Um, which is true. I think to some extent that is true. And I think that they are societal taboos that we may share with other cultures, but we may not share with other cultures. And how can we realize that our perspective is just one? It is not the right one. Um, And so when we frame our stories how are we coming from this place of, of love and compassion and understanding, seeking to understand um, and seeking the falsehood and what we hold? Thank you, Salome. That was very beautifully said. And yeah, it's true. You know, storytelling, I think that was just so good. I loved how you said that, you know, it's just, it is 
it, it isn't meant to eclipse other people's stories, but it is meant to shine on how everybody, all of our stories fit together. So yeah, thank you so much, Salome. What can we expect to see from you in the next few years? Thank you for asking. Um, what do you expect to see from me in the next few years? Well, like every academic out there, I'm trying to write a book. <laughs> but mine's more focused on, I'm an MSW. It's focused on applied theory. Um, and so it's a, it's a self-care journal for BIPOC members. So that, that's one of the things that I'm trying to put together. Um, I'm working on my, my podcast. Um, let me see, what else am I doing I'm trying to um, build my business up. I, I decided that I, I really wanted to to create a space for other others in the community um, to take control of their finances, to find ways of um, being able to heal from financial trauma that they might have experienced growing up, that they may have experienced within the various partnerships that they have uh, or have had. Um, and so uh, creating a financial freedom series for, for others to, to heal within that space and to gain skills to be able to be able to fund whatever dreams and goals that they have for themselves and their families. Um, finding more ways of being able to to learn, <laughs> I guess it's aside to the other question, um, one of the pieces that I key lesson that I'm still trying to learn and practice is when to say no. <laughs> I get so happy and excited about all these beautiful things that are happening in our community. And I just want to support everyone. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to find ways of, of creating, um, I don't know what to call it like this, this, uh, I don't know what to call it, like a, a rubric or something, I don't know, uh, to help me figure out what, what am I going to say yes to right now? Um, and what can I say thank you to and, and put it on pause? It doesn't mean that um, those opportunities won't be there later. They'll, they'll happen. If not through that person, they'll happen through other forms. Again, that abundance mindset. It's going to be okay. There are going to be continued um, opportunities and resources that I can say yes to later. And so really trusting and putting faith into that. Um, and then also, you know, just trying to put on more, more events for the community, for us to engage and, and support one another. Um, for the end of September, I have a candle making party for October. I have an afternoon tea party. Um, the candle making party is, uh, has, I'm going to have all of the, uh, ways in which you can decorate the, the candle, the essential oils, the, uh, you know, flowers, if you want to, uh, decorating the outside of the, the, the candle. Um, you know, just like, it's going to be a huge thing. And then, uh, for the afternoon tea, it's, it's a chance for people to, to dress up and to, to come. And, um, there's going to be a costume contest. There's going to be, uh, a dramatic reading. It's going to be all in theme of Halloween. And so, uh, for both of them is, is finding fun ways to bring us together, finding engaging and, and exciting ways that um, we can heal 
within these spaces. Because for me, healing isn't just in the therapy space. It's the ways in which we uh, come together, the ways in which we share our joy and our laughter. Uh, joy and laughter is so healing. And I don't know if that's, if that's the Latina in me, but <laughs> for me, like, you know, that's, that's how we um, continue to hold that hope and inspire one another to move forward. And so, um, yeah, it's just trying to, to do these activities, make the journal, um, create the uh, financial freedom series and, and, and try to find ways to funnel my energy and creativity. <laughs> I love that. Salamit, thank you so much for joining us today. It really has been a pleasure talking to you and just learning alongside of you. You're filled with so much wisdom. So definitely appreciate that. I know a lot of us are going to have questions on how we can contact you because I definitely want to go to your events, uh, you know, and also just contact you for speaking engagements or to hire you as a therapist or consultant or simply just to support your work. So what is the best way to reach you? Thank you. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy. Um, yeah. So for the, the therapist side of things, um, you're more than welcome to contact me at peacefulsoulhealing.com. Uh, that's where I'm able to um, really have that, that space to be um, a co-collaborator, uh, supporter of people's mental health journey. And for me, it's more looking at it from a holistic viewpoint, not just the mental health, because we're part of all these systems. And so we are not just doing our own thing in isolation. Um, we're part of larger communities. We're part of um, our neighborhoods, our, you know, where we may, may work or volunteer. And so uh, to me, providing holistic healing is uh, a more responsible way to move forward and in, in, in supporting people's journey. Uh, so peaceful soul healing for the financial freedom series for uh, speaking engagements. You're more than welcome to email me at admin at riverswellness.org. Uh, if you want to check out the website, I'm still trying to, I'm always tweaking it. <laughs> Anytime you come, it's going to look different. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it's uh, riverswellness.org. Um, and then for speaking engagements, again, feel free to email me there. Um, and to support my work, yeah, you're, you're welcome to visit me at either of them and just, just reach out. I'm always trying to, to find ways in which to, like I said, funnel my energy um, and to partner with other people on, on these, these projects and to find ways in which we can enhance and actually make it a true resource that will benefit the community. Thank you. Salome. we really, really do appreciate you. And also thank you everybody for tuning into Career Conversations, an audio series created by the University of Washington Alumni Association for the UW alumni community and supported by UWA members. Career Conversations focuses on career topics that go beyond the usual to help you create and sustain a fulfilling work life. The series is one of several programs and events created and supported by the UW Alumni Association to keep all of you alumni, students, and friends connected to the university and to each other. There are many other ways to stay connected and be more involved in your Husky community, including through your events and resources. You can learn more and become a UWA8 member at your uwalum.com. I'm your host, Carla Sixia, and this again is Salome. Thank you for listening and go dogs. Mm-hmm.